Yeah, good luck to you too, man. <laughs> fantastic. Just fantastic. Can you imagine no love, fried deep fried chicken? Your best friend always sticking uh, up for you. Even when I know you're wrong, can you imagine no first dance, freeze dried romance, five hour phone conversation, the best soy latte that you ever had, and James. So tell me, why would you move to New England from sunny Florida to get all the snow on the ground? Man, your head must be turned around. Hey, oh man, there he is. Welcome to the podcast, Floridians. My guest today, a world traveler, a molder of young minds a youth certified professional, every criteria, every level of coaching available, it is at his fingertips, and an old friend, and a listener to the podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the one and the only, the pride of Gasparilla 2008, James Peterson. JJ, how's it going? Peter, uh, welcome from from as you alluded to snowy snowy new hampshire (laughs) yeah oh well james you and i have been friends my goodness since at least high school if not uh if not earlier and uh yeah we just oh uh so many stories to tell uh so much so much time uh has passed (laughs) in these in these lives of ours man how uh how wild do you do you remember do you remember, I, I, you know what's interesting? I don't know what your first impression of me was or when we first met, but I have a feeling that you didn't take me seriously at all. <laughs> not, not to kind of dictate or derail the, throw or the flow of the podcast. <laughs> I, when we did our debrief or table read, whatever they, however they say in, in Tinseltown, I was, under the, I was under the impression we were going to spend 45 minutes of dissecting the Snyder Cut um, <laughs> trailer and followed by, more, followed by the Mortal Kombat trailer. So, um, oh, man, I love it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, so it's funny because obviously my first uh, interaction and experience with, with you was, was mm-hmm. at Vero. Um, right. When I was Our a high senior, school. you came in junior year um, and – Obviously, you were between the sticks for the soccer team, and you know, obviously, I, you know, I'd like to think we were acquaintances then. But um, mm. I was talking to Emily about it last night and saying, you know, when, your wife, when we, when we, yes, <laughs> name, name drop, name drop. <laughs> we get it. You got a wife. We'll get to her. What do you think? You're better than <laughs> me. Yeah, you are. <laughs> um, that's uh. But yeah, no, you know, I've thought about once, once we, once I was at USF and you were mm. coming over and visit, especially when you're attending school in Al- Alabama, mm-hmm. I, I felt like we just, just really hit it off. And then that just continued and blossomed. And there was certainly an interesting period during that time where um, you and I deviled in a level of debauchery, which we'll, we'll <laughs> say for the... Uh, for the that Snyder, Snyder will do that trailer trailer cut as well. That'll be, that'll the, be, cut that'll be the Snyder cut uh, of so. the podcast. Well, before we get into uh, today's topic, which will be 
sports allegiances and uh, and youth sports something you are an expert in i'd like to do some housekeeping first today in honor of you james who has spent significant time uh east gonna do some beans on toast that's what i'm cooking up today no corrections from last week's podcast and i'd like to thank uh, kelvin gina <laughs> mike <laughs> dawn Susie, collier and Lindsay and everybody that's supported the podcast if you let yourself would like to support the podcast go ahead and uh, go to the details in this episode and you can leave a voicemail or a, a monthly donation whatever you want it all helps the podcast and today uh, another part, form of housekeeping we like to do plugs up top so James is there anything you'd like to drive our listeners to uh, to check you out more or any anything you uh, you want to uh, bring attention to anything you'd like to plug yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm hopeful that there's going to be a lot of laughs, as I'm sure there will be as we go down memory lane. Um, so, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to keep the podcast too serious. But to be fair, last yeah. Thursday, last Thursday, our entire main staff um, at Seacoast United Sports Club participated in a uh, mental health first aid training course, particularly designed for youth. Oh, great. So I'd like to I'd like to actually give a shout out to the group that hosted that. So it's a NAME. Uh, so it's an acronym. So it's the North American uh, Mental Institute. Um, and uh, yeah, no, NAMI. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. And they were they were phenomenal. And it's something that we're working on right now, this initiative to really kind of put put a platform in place to where we can educate our staff um, on, you know, how do you how would you approach a, 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 a young athlete and have a conversation with them about, you know, if they're going through some hardships and obviously with everything that's kind of transpired over the last 12 months, we, we anticipate that being a pretty significant uh, ripple effect of COVID and everything. So yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to give them a shout out because um, the more mm. people, the more that people can, can kind of learn about them and raise more awareness about that topic, you know, it's going to, it's going to do us all uh, a world of good. So. That's incredible. Where, uh, so where do you where do you start with something like that? You know, uh, in in act uh, before we get go too far in any other direction, what's what's not necessarily a shortcut, but what's one thing to to keep in mind when you're speaking to a young athlete about you know any range of topics? Yeah, so uh, I mean, to be fair just to kind of give it some more context, our organization, Seacoast United Sports Club, we're a youth sports club up here in New England. We, we span three states, we have 10 facilities, we do multiple sports. We have about 10,000 kids that are actively involved in our organization. So we're one of the largest youth sports clubs in the entire country. Um, and I am certainly of the notion that we probably interact with more youth than any other organization in New England. Um, yeah. And with that, with that, you know, kind of had this, this approach that we should we should almost be like socially obligated to to use our platform to be more than a sports club um right. which kind of ties in with a lot of stuff that we're doing of late off the field so it's something that's been in the works for the probably the past 18 months great and obviously uh covid covid's had a significant impact in terms of delaying that process <clears throat> but um but last last week was the first step towards kind of addressing the situation in terms of preparing our staff. Um, but it's interesting to your point. So, so when, when, as a coach, so I had to do this last year, uh, the U S soccer um, has you go through various training programs uh, through safe sport uh, to, to kind of 
you know, highlight certain certain situations that you might come across as a coach, whether it be child abuse or they touch on mental health slightly, but it's it's not okay. it's not too de detailed. Um, so, anyways, uh, you know, we kind of go through that, but it's it's one thing doing that, and then obviously when you're in a situation where you think someone is experiencing something, and you know, it's like how how do you how do you engage in that conversation? How do you approach them about that? Because it's it's obviously there's a lot of stigma attached to it. A lot of people aren't comfortable about discussing it. So, right. That that training course, it is the equivalent of CPR first aid um, wow. for for mental health, and 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 they were adamant about pointing out the fact that, listen, we don't want you diagnosing anyone, nor do we want you to feel Got compelled it. to diagnose them. You're not experts, but at the same token, these are the signs and symptoms that you should be aware of. Um, and obviously I, I, I believe that coaches, the relationship that they have with their athletes, sometimes I think that depending on the situation, it'll supersede what a teacher will have with a student even depending on the circumstances, a parent with their own child, mm -hmm. um, depending, you know, on the, on, 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 on their upbringing, the background, you don't know what's going on. Right. So yeah, there's, there's a really strong relationship there between a, between a athlete and a coach. Um, and if we can start to be proactive and, and knowing full well that this is going to be something that I think a lot of us are going to be uh, faced with and having to deal because um, obviously the adolescents have been yeah. impacted significantly <clears throat> by this. You know, it's a, it's a first step towards um, making a difference. So That's incredible. And it's something that everybody should at least be aware of, particularly if you have a son or daughter in, daughter in youth sports or if you interact with, uh, you know, any, any kind of kids, uh, which is fantastic. And in, in recent years, you know, when the world was open, you were nice enough to offer me a spot to come and travel with you to England and one program that you do at Seacoast United, which is fantastic is uh, it's called a taste of English football. Is that right? Taste of English football. And so you bring, you bring a select group of kids over to England to see, uh, to watch soccer matches live and they get to see it in person. And that's such an incredible experience. I was so lucky to be on that, on that trip with you. And it, England's nothing new to you because you, after so you, we, you and I spent one year in high school together uh, because I had transferred to your school, Bishop Vero, and we played on the soccer team. Then you went to USF. Then you went to Oxford. Is that right? What's, uh, what's, the, what's the timeline there uh, where you went to Oxford? Yeah, so uh, I'll even kind of, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll try. I'll, I like Go to ahead. kind of just give this, because this is actually the catalyst for, for me wanting to move to England. So, you know, obviously um, – I'd like to think I'm a self-confessed Anglophile. Um, but <laughs> totally. But that's primarily to the fact that, you know, both sides of my family, you know, heritage-wise come from England. And I look at anyone else that, you know, whether they be Irish, Italian, what have you, um, mm. of descent, you know, they take tremendous pride in that. And you see that all the time, you know, especially up here in New England, you've got a heavy Irish influence, Italian, Portuguese, Brazilian, et cetera. Yeah. So it's like, well, I want to, I'm, I want to be proud of my roots. And, you know, obviously I've, I've always just gravitated towards England and both sides of my family coming from, from there and the British Isles for that matter. So mm -hmm. obviously that was compounded by the fact that I love soccer, um, played it all my life, watched it all my life. Um, and, uh, you know, I would all, I was also say, you know, in English football in particular, um, as you well know, uh, 
being a Manchester United supporter. Mm-hmm. I've been a United supporter since 1999. So really the first game I ever vividly remember watching on TV as a kid was the Champions League final in 1999 when they beat Bayern Munich 2-1. Good start. So Solskjaer sc- scored the winner. Yeah. Um, Babyface assassin. So, <laughs> um, But, yeah, you know, again, I've, I've, always, I've loved soccer all my life, um, and I always had a, a, a desire to go there. And then, fun, funnily enough, Matt Ashton. Mm. Um, a friend of the buddy, podcast. Friend of the, a, a regular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a regular, for sure. uh, he, him and I, obviously he shares the same affinity for United as I do. And um, him and I share some really cool soccer stories. Him and I went to um, Chicago in 2005, just before our oh. graduate, senior graduation to see England versus USA play in a friendly. No kidding, yeah. Which was amazing. It was at Soldier's Field. It was brilliant. Um, and then we went, to, uh, we went to England in 2007. Uh, <laughs> we went to England. With the sole goal of seeing United play at Old Trafford, it was the last home game of the season. They had already won the league. They were playing West Ham. Wow. West Ham actually beat them 1-0. Carlos Tevez scored that controversial goal, which ended up keeping West Ham up and sent Sheffield United down, which is a big, it's, a, it's a still a big thing to this day, really, because I think Sheffield United ended up suing West Ham um, because obviously going, you know, getting relegated and whatnot. And they, they sued them? How could they sue them? On what ground? Because uh, Tevez allegedly, him and Mascherano, when they were brought over to West Ham, it was uh, during like third party agency. So there was a lot of discrepancy okay. and he yeah, potentially was an in- ineligible player and all that. So, oh my goodness. Anyways, um, so Matt and I fly over to England, which I won't spend too much time on that trip. <laughs> um, yeah, this is 07, right? 07. Yeah. Uh, and I'd never, we went into London, stayed in London. Then we went up to Manchester, uh, stayed at, stayed at a uh, hostel, which was an experience to say the least. <laughs> right. And um, I'll never forget taking the tram over to Old Trafford, walking, walking down the road and you see the arches of Old Trafford. And I swear to you, Pete, I remember my knees like shaking. Yeah. And I was like, I can't believe this. And, uh, of course, we didn't have tickets, so we didn't even get to go see the match. But uh, we went to like <laughs> I think I think we posted up in a pub as you as you do and watched the game. And you know um, what's you know what's so fascinating is I have a similar story that has it's a story just like that where you're flying to like your promised land, you know, or your Graceland, quote unquote. Uh, a buddy, uh, this is uh, later in college, but basically. I convinced my friend Ben, I was like, dude, we got to move out to LA. This is before I even moved to Orlando. We got to move, we got to move out to LA. So he's like, all right, great. Let's get tickets. We get tickets and we meet at the LAX airport. He flies in from Buffalo. I fly in from Florida. And I was like, what are we going to do? He goes, oh, I don't know. We didn't even book a hotel. (laughs) So we just (laughs) crashed at the LMU, like crack, like slept on the lawn at Loyola Marymount University for like one night, and then we just kind of hopped around to a bunch of different places. But when you're when you're that age, I think I was about the same age that you're describing here yourself at in 0- 07, You're just kind of going with the flow, right? Just kind of like, all right, well, you know, let's just get there and uh, have some fun. It was. It was amazing. Even, even hmm. not even, we, we did a tour of Old Trafford um, the yeah. following day when they actually had the trophy there. So there's a, oh, there's that's a photo great. of me stood next to the uh, Premier League trophy. But 
anyway, so I, I, I'll never forget that last night we were back in London and Matt and I were staying at this actually really cool hotel um, right near Hyde Park. So a beautiful part of London. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'll never forget walking out the, or crawled out the window space, this like crawl space. And I'm out on this roof um, of these terrace houses and I'm watching the sunset and I'm, I'm, this is no word of a lie. I remember going, I'm going to live here one day. Right. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of sparked, sparked that in me. And then to be honest, as you well know, um, I didn't play soccer in college. It's probably the biggest, one of the, one, one of the biggest regrets I ever had, if not the biggest. Um, mm. But again, you know, everything happens for a reason and I wouldn't change anything now in hindsight. Cause sure. I've gone on to do some amazing, amazing things that if I, if I had played college soccer somewhere, maybe that wouldn't have happened. So that, that, that's always been the, the, the drive in me to, to kind of say like, listen, I don't, I don't want to ever have a regret like that again. Um, right. So going over to England, that kind of just solidified that for me. So, so yeah, fast forward to 2009 again <laughs> at USF, right. probably like, Probably like a lot of people, I had no idea what I wanted to do in life. You know, my, my, my dad had a landscaping <laughs> company mm-hmm. and I just thought I'd go into that. Um, and uh, didn't you sell doors door to door? Didn't you literally, you literally name, sold doors door to door, right? Name <laughs> drop, name drop Ryan Justice. Yeah, of course, Ryan Justice. What, yes. a, go- what a goof. Uh, I will, I will say everyone, everyone goes, you know, what's the, what's the best experience you've had in terms of sales? And I go, <laughs> I sold, I sold windows and doors. Now, again, if that doesn't sum up Florida in a nutshell, door to door solicitation for windows and, and roofs. Uh, and I mean, I'm a, I, these, these people don't know me from Adam and I'm knocking on the door and in the, in the space of 10 minutes, I've got them convinced of, you know, buying $50,000 worth of worth of hurricane proof windows. <laughs> for their house it's like it's it's as if there are some things in florida that will never die door-to-door salesmen landlines drinking and driving (laughs) it's gonna it's gonna stay in florida forever no matter what technology is given no matter what year it is no matter what we know or don't know those things are always constant I just spare a thought for the guy that was a door-to-door salesman selling face masks. So, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so, either booming or my goodness. Anyway. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Imagine his luck. He's the pandemic hits. The only person that's sitting on an inventory of face masks <laughs> and he's going door to door. The only guy that's been having a good time for the last 12 months is the door-to-door face mask salesman living in Boca Raton. We could, we could see, this is what I was afraid of. We could start like play, playing out these whole scenarios. So there's this guy named Bill. He's a, he, he, he invested his entire life savings in cloth face masks in 2019. His wife left him and he kept telling everyone, he goes, he goes you, you wait. I'm running the numbers. Are you wait. wait. Yeah. And then, also and then another thing in Florida is conspiracy theories. Yeah, we'll get those. And then, um, you know, fast forward nine months later, and there's a Reddit Reddit forum on him now, and um, people are <laughs> people are invested in him, and he's done really well for himself. So, uh, so Anyways, you know, the, the main topic I wanted to talk about, you know, I grew up in Florida. You grew up in Florida. Some people like to think that 
I'm some kind of New Yorker. I did live in New York uh, later in my life for about a year and a half, but I was born in Poughkeepsie and I was only there until I was like four or five years old and I don't have any memories. So let's forget that. Florida is the only place that you can be someplace as a toddler and then be labeled from there for the rest of your life. So I'm growing up in Florida. You're growing up in Florida and there are sports teams there. Sure. But for somebody that is not a fan of the English premier league where Manchester United plays they'd be curious to know how do you get into something like this? How do you find access to games that are happening in England, you know, sometimes five, eight hours ahead, uh, ahead of the United States, you know, the time zones. And why, why do you pick Manchester United? And I know you have a fantastic story involving, involving your family. I just think like sports allegiances in Florida, they're either generational where, you know, they're passed down for me, for instance, like the Yankees, my grandma loves the Yankees has always loved the Yankees or they're geographical. I just, love the the jets because you know i was like oh well the yankees jets great or they're just goofy for instance anybody that likes the toronto rappers raptors that's never been to canada they're say they'll say oh well jurassic park was one of my favorite movies or i just like dinosaurs growing up so for you a florida kid to go as far as to start supporting manchester united and get a manchester united tattoo as your first tattoo how did that all start and where did your allegiance begin to Manchester United? Yeah, great. Um, and I, I, sh- I should have prefaced probably I'm, I'm, I was born in Tampa, so I am a Floridian, you know, on my mom's side, we're third generation. So I, does that make me less my- of a Floridian or it more does. of a Floridian? It does. I think it makes me more of a Floridian because I was born in New York and then I grew up in Florida or I got older in Florida, like, like all Floridians do, you know? So that's, that's where I get on my soapbox because everyone up here in New England's <laughs> like, oh man, Florida's, everyone's crazy. And I go, well, hold on a sec. I go, is that, was that person, is that person really from Florida or did they just wake up one day and go, you know what? I'm going to start my life over and move down to Florida. <laughs> and then com- compound that with the heat and the humidity. Oh my God. To me, that's, to me, that's Floridian. Wow. Yeah. You're just waking up. You're, you're going on 50 years old, <laughs> you're, you know, you, that red Corvette you bought five years ago when your wife divorced you is, you know, it needs a tune up. You know what? Let's, let's forget all the payments. Let's drive down to Florida and start over. My God. Yeah. Second you've life. Got Don, you've got Don Johnson on loop and you're just cruising <laughs> down. Not a care before, in the world. Before, before you answer your Manchester United allegiance and uh, how you became a supporter of them, I think in the United States now is set up in a way where, and I've been talking to other guests about this there. And I'm interested about New Hampshire as well in the new England area. There are city, all cities will offer similar things thanks to the internet, but there are certain cities that cater to certain age groups. I believe when we grew up in Fort Myers, there was a lot to do for us up to age 18. And that was because there were so many residential places. Then through your 20s and 30s, you're talking places like uh, like New York, Los Angeles, Miami, Chicago. Then, 40, then 30s and 40s, I've heard a lot of friends that have moved there 
Portland, Denver, those types of cities, Austin, those types of cities are cool if you don't go to Austin for college. And then you can swing back to your 50s in, uh, in, in Florida. New England. Yeah, yeah. And also, yeah. Also, yeah. What, you're, you're, in, you're in the New England area. Do you see a lot of kids there? I mean, obviously, you're working with youth sports, but, like, what's, how, what, what are the type of people that are living there? Because that's what I'm thinking about when I think of these cities. Yeah, no, I mean, to your point, like from from up up to 18 years of age in Florida, I mean, you know, I was fortunate enough. I had an unbelievable um, uh, childhood in Florida, you know, fishing, go out on the boat, being, you know, very much in very much an outdoors family, um, camping, you name it. Um, I always say, if you can survive in Florida, you can survive anywhere, though, because <laughs> at any at any given moment, you could have uh, black widow, water moccasin, shark, jellyfish, alligator. Uh, well, now Burmese pythons, obviously. So, just take your pick. Um, <laughs> so is, it's uh, that is absolutely fascinating, and it puts a bow on something I've always thought about. First off, you mentioned pythons. There's an iguana and python uh, overage. I, I don't know how to say it, but uh, and it exuberant amount of pythons and iguanas in florida they're taking over they're taking over lanai's they're taking over patio areas and these house, little, house pets house pets yeah they're these little ladies can't deal with it but no matter where you grow up no dependent on where you grow up and this is the bow that i'm talking about in in sort of justifying my childhood or our childhood is wherever you grow up you are given a certain set of skills. And in Florida, that set of skills is expect everything to be random. <laughs> uh, uh, expect to be given nothing, but anything could happen. Expect nothing except everything. And that's just kind of the way that Florida prepares you for life. Not, not in a good way, just in like a, a terrible... And also, yes, angsty uh, type of a way where the world is either out to get you or you're riding this wave of, yeah, give me, give me whatever's offered to me. I accept it. And that, that's, I, that's, that's, that's how I am reading what you're saying. And I, I totally dig it. I get it. It's life. Yeah, so, so then to answer your question with regards to New England, um, yeah. I mean, it couldn't, it couldn't be any, it couldn't be even, it couldn't be on the polar opposite spectrum in terms of Florida. Uh, You're kidding. Wow. It's, it's seasons, uh, the topography, you have mountains, you have lakes. Yeah. How, I mean, how old are the people there? So again, not, it's a fun fact. Uh, Maine, uh -huh. right? Maine has the oldest population in the entire country. <laughs> like, I think it's like, per, now obviously that's skewed, you know, pure, per pop, uh, pure, um, however the i'm sure someone's gonna look this up and try to fact check yeah. me so um but no it's a uh, like per per capita hundred thousand um residents um, i think the reason Maine is, and then yeah. new hampshire oh okay. new hampshire second oh um now granted we only have 1.3 million people in new hampshire as opposed to florida that has 23 million people so however um, i i think the old people in florida are a different breed of old people than what's going on in New England. They're the risk take, you know, grandma in Florida is riding a motorcycle, going to the biker bar and, you know, slamming pints. Whereas, uh, you know, grandpa in Maine is knitting. Fighting moose. 
fighting moose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's got his rifle and he it's hunting season. And he, you know, because of the snow, he stays inside, you know, six months out of the year compared to grandma who's on that bike nonstop in Florida. <laughs> I, I, I really want to get a, um, I'm just thinking about this now offhand, but we should get like, uh, obviously in Florida, Florida synonymous with Tommy Bahama, Guy Harvey, uh, yeah. you know, whereas Maine, it's like, well, when a kid pops out, they're decked out in L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean. <laughs> we Shout out to the L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean versus like Guy Harvey kind of one off and just see how stereotypical uh, residents from from each state uh, can really <laughs> Yeah, really go. With what they're wearing. That's fascinating. Yeah, from the scale of uh, uh, Tommy Bahama and Affliction in Florida all the way to L.L. <laughs> Bean and Brooks Brothers, you know, wherever the hell you're growing up. So what's, what's, what I want to get back to here is in, <laughs> I, I'm, glad, I'm glad we went there because it, uh, it puts some context on geography and different places and different you know moods around the united states so you're growing up in florida born and raised how do you how, how do you adopt manchester united how do you even find about out about manchester united uh, i know you have a fantastic story involving involving uh, your your mom who's a beautiful beautiful lady yeah my my dad said you're not allowed to talk about her <laughs> I'll make, make sure you make sure you edit that part out before I share this with the parents. The um, restraining order, you know, it expires next month. So it's, it's, I'm I'm convinced it's either going to be my mom or my wife that you end up with. <laughs> all bets, all bets are off. That's a different kind of Oedipus complex. That's where, a, where you think where you think your either your wife or your mom is gonna leave you for your best friend. That's um sick bastard. That'll be the next podcast. Yeah, exactly. yeah, and I'll, I'll bring a therapist in. Okay, so how do how do we you know in Florida there's so many there are so many teams, man, and it just seems like some people love them, Bucks, etc. If they're winning, you know. But uh, how do you get into the Premier League soccer and how do you even start supporting Manchester United and why Manchester United? Yeah, so, so again, um, born in Tampa, grew up in Brandon, which is a suburb of Tampa. So it's, mm -hmm. you know, literally 20 minutes outside um, playing, playing for uh, Brandon Flames at the time, which was actually a, re a pretty reputable uh, club uh, in that area. Um, nice. Brandon, Brandon Flames, Swamp Dogs, et cetera. <clears throat> um, great club. My best friend at the time there, um, kid named Steven, uh, you know, we grew up pl uh, playing soccer together. And uh, if anything, he, he probably got me to at least kind of like, hey, you know, who's Manchester United kind of thing. And then, you know, FIFA, like obviously mm -hmm. the game, um, you know, uh, yeah, that was console game, console game, um, you know, we would always be them. So I remember just scoring with Skulls and Giggsy and Bex and all that kind of stuff. Nice. And then honestly, I, my, my, my first vivid memory of watching like a proper soccer game on TV was the, was the Champions League final. And I'm pretty sure it was a replay. Um, mm. and it was on some, some obscure, you know, Fox Sports Canada channel or something to that extent. Right, when they used to carry those games, yeah. So, so yeah, you know, just 
I liked I liked Manchester United. Um, didn't really think anything of it. Um, if anything, I was probably like every other Floridian uh, or American for that matter, following traditional sports. So you know, I was born in Tampa, so I grew up a Bucks fan. Mm. Was never interested in baseball at the time. Um, so I, you know, Rays. I had no affinity with them. Um, big Lightning fan. I did love the Tampa Bay Mutiny, but you know, nothing to really kind of you know kind of really get behind and. Fun fact, I remember doing a camp one time with Carlos Valderrama, which was pretty oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Um, Probably so. the most famous Tampa Bay Mutiny player. You know, Tampa Bay Mutiny, obviously, the defunct MLS uh, franchise that was in Tampa. Probably the, you know, the most recognizable player from that era, right? Absolutely. And, and you think about, you know, fast forward to today now, it's, it's fantastic that the Rowdies have come back mm-hmm. that franchise and that's um, they're doing a fantastic job, um, you know, with, with, with their entire setup and what that club's doing and, you know, hope, hopefully long may that continue. Um, but uh, yeah, so again, and if anything, my parents both went to university of Florida. So if mm. I would say I was probably grew up an adamant Gator fan, love oh, wow, Gator. Yeah. Um, and, and, and obviously grew up to, to loathe FSU. So that was a, <laughs> You know, obviously a big rivalry, especially being from Florida. And as you well know, and a lot of people around the country appreciate SEC football and college football in the South and in Florida is, you know, it's, it's massive, um, which I partially put that down to the fact that, you know, historically the NFL teams aren't necessarily that good. So I think a lot of people gravitate towards the, the university teams um, more so mm. than, the, than the professional teams. So. That is true. That is true. So anyways, um, yeah, move, moved down, left Brandon, moved down to Cape Coral in 99. Um, and then my parents uh, went over to England for the first time with my grandparents. And um, I remember my mom told me this story. So she said she went into Harrods and she goes, I know my son likes a team called Manchester. This is um, where, this is where geographically? Uh, Harrods, sorry, it's in London. In um, London. So okay. So they're visiting South- London with you or without you? No, no, I'm, 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 I'm at home. Um, okay. They went over for just like a trip, you know, to get away, get away from the kids. Yeah. And, uh, right, right, right. And uh, yeah, I remember Harrods is this world-renowned, you know, shopping, shopping store, um, uh, right there in London, located, you know, just down the road from South Kensington, where you and I have stayed for the Taste of English trips. Yeah. And um, yeah, she, I get, evidently, she went in there and said, "Hey, you know, uh, I know my my son likes a, a, a soccer team called Manchester." And uh, his favorite number is seven. So the person's like, oh, you're probably on about Beckham. So my mom ended, ended up getting me um, uh, their away shirt from 2000. It was a white one, navy blue down the sides. And she got right. seven and got Peterson on the back. Right. So that was my first ever United top. So that was in 2000. Oh, and awesome. um, yeah, you know, brought that back. And I uh, this is around the time then when, when Fox – Canada or sports or whatever it was mm-hmm. would at least like show one match a week from the Premier League. Right. Um, and then all the while soccer.com's come on the scene. And I remember that, you know, then he had access to getting replica tops and I had, you know, I had a Beckham poster in my room. So he was, he is definitely, you know, the, the player that I distinctly remember wanting to mirror and mm-hmm. idolized and just thought he was the coolest thing. And um, so then, yeah, going into high school had, had all his predator boots attempted yeah. to do attempted to do his hair style um, yeah so i'm sure there's some 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 scandalous photos floating around on the interweb or <laughs> whatever the kids call it these days Certainly. so uh, <laughs> so yeah and 
I would say also that this is probably the time where as, as I was able to have more access to watching United soccer, obviously became my number one sport. I was, I loved it. I was obsessed with it. And I, if anything, I kind of moved away from your more traditional American sports um, mm. and probably put a lot of energy into it. And then I think you'll probably appreciate this or attest this. I think there was that kind of element of <laughs> this is around, you know, the whole punk emo scene time yeah. skater. And it's like, well, I don't want to conform to what people like. You know, I, 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 I like NFL. OK, yeah, so does everyone else. Well, I like I like the Premier League. What's the Premier League? Right. You know, so I, th- I think there, I think there was that kind of element of like, not a lot of people know about this. So this is kind of, you know, you know, mine, it's kind of unique. Um, yeah. And it's something, something I, I, I'd like to be very knowledgeable about and almost kind of like, I know more about it than, than anyone in my area kind of thing, uh, because right. I put a lot of energy into it. So maybe that's uh, part, part, partially due to the fact of why I really got, got into it. And, um, and then, as that grew and, and, and was able to just watch them more. And again, I just, it definitely became a passion. And that's what spurred uh, me to go over in 07 to, uh, yeah. to, to, to go to England and to see them. And, um, and then also that again was another catalyst for, uh, for then wanting to go back to England because I didn't get to see them in person. And then that was one of those bucket lists. I said, I'm, I'm adamant about having a season ticket at Old Trafford. That's a, that's a goal of mine. I want to make that yeah. a reality. So it sounds like United when you were coming into your own, how, how old are you in uh, 2099? That's your what? 13, 14, maybe 12, 13, 12, yeah. 13. It was at the time you were looking, you're playing soccer. You're looking for soccer. That was the most accessible accessible team. And they had, you know, a star that you, gravitated towards in Beckham is that would that would that be right yeah and it's fun it's funny to to your point you know you think about the globalization of sport and you know United had just won the treble they were you know one of the most lucrative sporting brands in the entire world Um, Mm. and you know their their reach and their pool in terms of you know penetrating these tv markets and audiences that was really the only club that you had exposure to so you could make an argument had it been another club that I was able to watch you know on a consistent basis it it, it could have been it could have been another club um yeah. it's just amazing the power of you know exposure and 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 brand and and you know but now you look at what 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 the Premier League does now for all the leagues for that matter Bundesliga Serie A Serie A La Liga etc the 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 access that people have now is unbelievable Mm. unbelievable i remember moving back from england in 2013 and that's when nbc sports had just struck the deal with the yeah. premier league and i remember like that first season 2013 2013-14 that's when united was under Moisey. um mm-hmm. and i remember sitting there on a saturday morning you had the half seven kickoff you had a 10 o'clock kickoff you had a half 12 kickoff and i was like you I'm watching, I'm watching any football match that I want right now from England. You feel like you're back there. Yeah. And you were there, you were in Oxford working with Oxford United and you're earning a, a, another degree from 09 to 13. Yeah. So, so again, <clears throat> no problem saying in 09 bit lost and know what I wanted to do, but I was like, if I ever had an opportunity to, to live in England mm. and, and work for a professional football club, that's me, that's me done. I'm that, you know, I've, that's my dream. Yeah. And again, you know, it's one of those, if you, it's, 
it's funny just how the world works. So I was fortunate enough to have a connection with, with someone that, you know, he, I knew him through friends and, and he was a coach at one point for me, um, oh. uh, Kelvin Thomas, and he became a uh, chairman for Oxford United, I believe in 07 or 08 um, mm -hmm. when they were in the conference um, and uh, got them promoted back into the Premier, uh, Premier League, into the Football League, League Two, um, under Chris Wilder, who's the manager nice. at the time. So he's with Sheffield United now. Yeah. And I remember, <laughs> I just remember emailing Kelvin one day and I said, listen, I'll do anything I can. I'll dress up as all of the ox. I'll clean boots. I'll, I don't care. I was like, I just want to come over there and I want to work at the club. Give me a and shot. It, just anything I'll do. And, you know, he was very honest. He goes, you never played. You never coached. He goes, I have no idea how you're going to come over here on a visa. So, uh, you know, it's one of those, it's like, okay, well, what can I do? And then doing some research, USF had some affiliate program, study abroad program with Oxford Brooks, which is the other university. Got it. And I was like, well, you know what? I was studying marketing at USF. Um, it was all right. Um, but I was like, if I'm going to go to school again, I want to study something I'm, a pa I'm passionate about, um, yeah. which is sport. Um, so they had, a, they had a pretty robust sports program there at Brooks. And I remember applying for the, for the degree. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, September 2010. So it took me about a year and a half to get my visa and everything to move over to England. Right. Oh, right, right, right. Um, which was tough. It was tough on me mentally and emotionally just because, you know, I was, I was so hell bent on making it happen. And it kept failing in terms of not meeting this prerequisite and this. And it was tough. But again, you know, uh, persevered and made it. So September, September 2010 is when I moved over to England. I'll never forget it. I flew over with Kelvin on September 3rd. We arrived September 4th. Funnily enough, that's Emily's birthday. Oh, great. Your wife. Um, so the stars are aligned. Yes, yeah. please. <laughs> please. You're not allowed to say her name. <laughs> anyway, so, so since, I remember. Since the, wedding, we've, the wedding's remember, off. Yeah, like that's that'll be podcast. That'll be episode three. <laughs> episode three. So I remember I remember September third left Miami with Kelvin flying on Virgin Virgin Atlantic. I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, like, you thought you'd made it. Yeah. I was like, holy shit. Premium economy. <laughs> Give me a hot towel. I was like, wow. I was like, this is how the other half lives, huh? <laughs> so I remember we get in, we get into um Gatwick. I mean, if you had told me at the time where Gatwick was, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, I'd, yeah I'd sure. So I remember we got, picked, we got picked up, taken to the stadium. Oxford played Morecambe that day, beat them 4-0. Uh, Matty Green scored this unbelievable goal from like 40 yards out, and I'm just on cloud nine. I remember after the game, going to the manager's office, had no clue who Chris Wilder was. Him, Mickey Lewis, Andy Melville, all these big characters, unbelievable people. <laughs> that night, we drive up to uh, this place called the Kings, which is in Woodstock, about 20 minutes north of Oxford, just on the Peronis. Never had a Peroni in my life. I had a lot that <laughs> night. Um, then proceeded to have my first ever Indian across the road. Don't remember it at all, but it was delicious. Um, love, love the Indian food, yeah. And, and I remember my mom, I rang my mom, and she had this voicemail for the longest time. And I'm just, you, she's, she, my, you know my mom. She right. goes, she goes, I could, I, could, I could feel you beaming from ear to ear over the phone, Jay. And I remember telling her, I was like, Mom, I've just had the most amazing 24 hours of my life. I was like, I'm here. I've yeah. made it. And that was incredible. Um, and I remember waking up on Kelvin's couch the next morning in a full suit, yeah. chicken, 
chicken tikka masala all down my shirt. And he's like, all right, we got to go walk into town and get our car. I was like, all right. So, <laughs> sure. And uh, so, yeah, so I worked at Oxford United. I was the group, I was the first ever group ticket sales manager. And I'm, I'm led to believe I'm the first ever American to work there. And I'm also the last one to ever work there. Um, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you but left no. such an impression that they're like, ah, let's not go back. Let's not go back across the pond. But um, yeah, group ticket sales, which was uh, an amazing experience because I never sold a ticket in my life prior to right. accepting that position. You just sold and doors and windows. So I went from selling windows to, hey, fancy doing a guard of honor at the next match against <laughs> Swindon kind of thing. So if you can, so that, listen, man, if you can sell a door, door to door, you can sell anything. You're the, you're the, uh, <laughs> you're the, the wolf of Del Prado. <laughs> I knew I knew we were gonna throw in throw in Jordan there somehow. Well, the thing <laughs> is, tell me this, tell me this pin. <laughs> yeah, Del Prado is obviously the main street uh, in Cape Coral where we grew up. So yeah, it's fascinating, man. You talk about the marketing, uh, how accessible teams are now, how you you know it took so much effort and time to get over to England to garner that experience that you've had, and you've su subsequently come back. Uh, for me, as far as like soccer allegiance, I've always, my favorite soccer player has always been Tim Howard. And he played for the uh, Metro Stars in the MLS, which used to be, you know, which, which is now like the Red Bull. But then he transferred to Manchester United. And I was like, all right, great. I'll follow Manchester United. Then he went to Everton. And when he did, I found that there was this great group of American players that they had uh, eventually, you know, brought in. And that, that like sold me on, on the club and, you know, just finding out more about the history, Dixie Dean and, and just the legend of that club and how, you know, they were so close to Liverpool and, and, and just, you know, Merseyside. I just, I just fell in love with that. I loved it. And the American players that played there, all legends, Howard, Landon Donovan, Brian McBride, uh, Precky, Joe Max Moore. And, Anthony Robinson uh, had played there. Who's going to be on the, probably the next world cup roster if we make it. So it's, it's, it's just so interesting that we have that access now at you, you know, and, and what we had at the youth level. And for someone that works in youth sports, now you were talking about uh, NAMI and all of the resources that are available for youth soccer coaches and youth soccer players for someone that, you know, that played and you know we we played as high of a level as we could have in high school and in at the club level at, at that age what's what are the differences it's it seems like it's a whole different game these days what's what's different in as far as youth sports today compared to when we were growing up yeah no i mean it's uh it is completely different. I, I look, I look again, I just look at it more own experiences, at least for me, mm -hmm. I would definitely say the club and Brandon that I was involved with at some point definitely had a club and atmosphere and, 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 and feel to it. Mm -hmm. but moving down to Southwest Florida, no, no disrespect to any of the clubs at that time, but it was definitely that whole mentality of, I'm going to play for this team this year. It's got the best players. And then, well, actually, I'm going to go move across across the Caloosahatchee to this other team because they've got two good players. And then we'll see what kind of happens kind of thing. So I see. There was no real – there was no real, like, club. 
infrastructure where, atmosphere compared to what it is today. Where uh, you're at at Seacoast United in New England, you and other coaches and adults that are in that club, they're making careers out of uh, their coaching, right? As opposed to where we grew up, it felt like so-and-so's dad will take over the team and maybe we'll get a, a nice coach here and there or like somebody that's certified quote unquote or, or, or whatever the case is. But it, it seemed more like a volunteer basis. Do you, do, does, does that still exist today? And would, would you agree to that assessment? Yeah, it definitely agrees to, or, or definitely uh, pertains to the landscape today. Uh, you, it, it's just, it's tiered now, you know, you, oh, have, uh, you have, you have your town slash rec program. Um, which is really your first introduction to soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that is, you know, strictly volunteer based. Um, it's, 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 it's parents, um, community members that are involved with that. Um, and, and then from there, that's when you start to get into this, this, this next level, this world of, you know, travel, travel teams. And still that isn't really necessarily a, a, a club um, system. Uh, and then after travel teams, that's when you then, going to the club environment um and yeah the t- this day and age it's it's amazing the people that are involved uh in that landscape i mean they are professional coaches yeah there's no two ways about it um from all corners of the world and you think about these kids that are having this uh, this opportunity to to learn that's probably yeah, i'll tell you what that's probably the biggest difference and again, this is no slight against anyone because uh, right. to your point, the majority of them were dads or people volunteering or whatnot. Yeah. I, I honestly really can't think apart from coach Mark, shout out coach Mark, Matt oh, Ashton's Matt, dad. Matt Ashton's dad. Yeah. Great. I, I can't really remember a coach teaching us about the game. Right. You know, right. it's like, you know, it's like we went through drills. Okay, cool. You know, but you think about systems, formations, like building through the thirds, like what is the role of each player? What are you doing off the ball? What are you doing in possession of the ball? I can't, I can't really think of too many examples. And then I look, again, not to say I'm a great coach, um, but I'm having those conversations all the time with my, with my team I'm coaching right now who, who are under 10. 10 years old. Um, Wow. You know, so now bearing in mind, that's a fraction of what we work or that's, that's minuscule because the biggest thing for them right now is ball mastery and, you know, fundamentals and all that kind of stuff. But at the same token, teaching them elements of the game, there's no chance someone was teaching me at nine years old about, you know, this part of the game. And, and again, you know, bearing in mind that was 20, that's 20 something, 25 years ago. So that goes back to what we were talking about too, with accessibility and the world is smaller now. So you had to really look for those to you had to really search and scour and be lucky enough to have a cable subscription that had Fox soccer Canada on it to watch (laughs) a soccer match. And, and, you know, I don't know where MLS was at the time. I think around this time that we're talking about, maybe they were down to like 10 to 12 teams and those Mm. games were not broadcast the way that they are now. Mm. So I, I think just accessibility has happened. And also I'd have to say there's a different sport, but uh, it pertains to America on the other half of LeBron James thinking about that 2002 sports illustrated cover where he was 
crowned, you know, anointed the next coming of Michael Jordan or whatever, the next greatest player, there's been a tremendous amount of pressure on young players. And if I'm going to use an American reference, I'd say Freddie Adu at 16, getting a million dollar scholarship to play professionally. The, the, the stakes have to be really high. Do you, do you see that? Do, do you, do you believe that? Do you see that in youth sports now as it, uh, you know, as kids are kind of carrying this weight of, uh, of playing the game Expectancy. and, and it, yeah, what's expected of them and kind of how their parents are handling it. <clears throat> I'll, I'll, I'll speak from Seacoast's perspective because obviously I work there. I, I can't speak for other clubs. I think we do a phenomenal job of managing expectations. Okay. And I'll be, I'm a, I'm a realist and I'm very honest with people. And I go, my, my approach has changed a lot as well. I mean, when I started at Seacoast United, I was, I was the assistant for the, um, what was the PDL, PDL at the time, which is now the USL two for our, um, for our amateur soccer program, the Phantoms. I was the assistant coach for that. And I was coaching like our under 16 boys team. I had no, no aspirations or interest in coaching youth. Um, and you know, when I had to coach junior Academy at the time, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was like a, it was, I was being punished for something because you know, these kids had two left feet kind of thing, Bambi mm. on ice. My shift fast forward today, I am not interested in coaching any other age group aside from your under nines, your under tens. Cause I love it. I love, right. I could, I could give two monkeys about a result. or what the like it's irrelevant like they're 10 years old who cares right like teaching them seeing them develop it's it's unbelievable so it's just funny how you change but but to go back to the point about with seacoast you know again i'm a very honest person and my 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 perspective on things has changed to where i look at us as 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 more than a sports organization there's no two ways about it and i look at how we can develop these kids holistically in every aspect and these people that get so enamored about their kids, like, oh, D1, D2, D-, it's like, okay. So right. you're doing all this for four years. Well, what about after that? What about when they go into the workforce? What about when they have a family? What about, you know, instilling in them values so they can be, you know, key members of their community? Because that's for the next 80 years. Right. It's great if we have kids go off to college. I mean, we, our class of 2021, we've got some amazing athletes for all of our sports that have, that have already committed to, I mean, Harvard, Michigan, you name it, some unbelievable schools, full yeah. rides. And that's great. But the reality is, you know, especially, I mean, with all due respect, we're in New Hampshire. Right. You know, it's it's 1.3 population. <clears throat> By the way, if you could see it out right now, it's snowing. There's probably a moose walking by and there's mountains. (laughs) So it's like, you know, perspective. So what I try to say is, listen, you know, there's going to be a small percentage of people (laughs) that will, will be able to go off to D one college. And that's great. Well, what about the other 99% of kids that are involved in our club that want to play the sport? Cause they love it. They'd Mm -hmm. like to get better at it, but by the way, we can provide opportunities for them. You know, from 2015 to 2019, we sent almost 900 kids over to England. Wow. These are kids that had never left the state. These are kids that never had a passport. These are kids that were afraid of their own shadow. And they came back six feet tall. Yeah. And it's like, uh, we changed their life. With, so. yeah, because, because the stakes are higher now, 
the accessibility is there to see the game <clears throat> at its highest level parents get get carried away and it sounds like as a youth coach it's important to instill values and to manage expectations uh just like you're saying but i feel like there's still those parents that are like yeah i see what you're saying and they kind of like think you're winking at them you know because it's like yeah i, I know you got to say that just, just like for instance a college coach would say you know, grades are the most important thing. Grades aren't the most important thing. You're trying to make money. You're trying to win championships and win, you do your job. What is it like to, to have to say, no, this is the real deal. Like this is a life here. This isn't just somebody that's going to play professional and the odds of playing professional are so low that it's dependent on the person, depending on the player and, we're, you know, we're talking about 10-year-olds, 15-year-old kids. How, how is it – how do you say to a parent, like, hey, I'm being serious here. I'm not just telling you something that sounds good, you know? Yeah. I mean, thankfully, I haven't, I haven't had that conversation with any nine-year-old parents. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But, yeah, touch wood. Um, I'm obviously, you know, I, 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 with our high school students uh, or student athletes and, um, you know, certainly when you get to the academy. So, obviously, we're a member of the MLS Next for boys and then for girls academy. All those players that are involved in there are, are aspiring to play uh, collegiately, you know, at some level. Um, and I'm sure all the, the families involved in there, you know, would like to see that. Uh, become a reality as well so I'm sure they have those conversations um, but again I, I feel confident saying the people that are in the in that bracket that are in our academy program they're going to get those opportunities to go play uh, is it going to is all of them are all of them going to play for a d1 school no mm. um, but there's going to be d2 d3 schools out there that that will be a perfect fit for them and that's the other thing you I mean you know this better than anyone going to the school you did in Birmingham you know, everyone's so enamored about D1 and it's like, oh, I'm going to go play for D1. It's like, unless you're an absolute rock star, you're gonna, if you go to D1, uh, you're probably not going to play. <laughs> uh, and if you do play, it's going to be pretty minimal. Um, you won't really get a run out till sophomore, junior year. I, you know, I, I'd try to, again, be, me being honest, I try to really give it some perspective. And it's like, you – you could go to a D1 school that you're never going to play at. And by the way, D1's a full-time job. Mm -hmm. You know, you're in there 5 a.m. in the morning, you do your class, you go back in in the afternoon kind of thing, wash, rinse, repeat. By the way, you're at a campus that you didn't really, you don't really like. You just were like, I'm going to this school because it's D1. Mm -hmm. uh, by the way, you have no clue what you want to study. It's <laughs> like, uh, I don't know what I want to do in life. So then you're stuck. It's like, yeah. well, you could go to – the smaller D1 school or a reputable D2 school, you're playing. The campus is great. The co college life is what you, what you wanted it to be. And by the way, they have a academic system in place that aligns with what you'd like to do, you know, one day from a career perspective. So okay. I think, I think the way that, you know, you and Seacoast, like you're telling me you approach each youth athlete student athlete as an individual and they have their own 
set of boundaries and limits. I think that's fantastic and that's wonderful. And I think it's great that, you know, we've been talking as long as we have today on this episode and I didn't even feel like I needed to bring up the fact that I'm a division one athlete and that I played, uh, I started in my freshman year as a goalkeeper over two fifth year seniors. And, you know, I, I only tallied about three shutouts and I actually scored a goal from a, from a punt, but you know, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, I was teeing you up. (laughs) I know brother. I know. Well, you always do. You always have. Next time we get you on the podcast, we'll have to talk a little bit about the year 2008 and, uh, and everything that, that transpired uh, in and thereof. James, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. You're a great guest. You give, you've given great insight to sports allegiances uh, coming out of Florida and the youth soccer program. I, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the show. And if I just can, Pete, you know, obviously um, just – very proud of you for everything that you do. I, th- I think I was, I was being honest with you the other day when I was on the phone with someone in LA, funnily enough. And I was like, I go, one of my best friends is out there. He's been out there for almost or not or, or over 10 years. And yeah. um, he's, he's chasing, he's chasing his dream, you know, and, and I, I think that's where you and I have had it, have, have a lot of synergy. We both pursued what we were passionate about and we loved and, I admire you tremendously for it. Um, and I'm, again, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm not trying to plug this to the top of your playlist. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm proud of you, buddy. And I'm thrilled that you were able to have me on here. Um, uh, Cause obviously I made it very clear that I was extremely disappointed that I hadn't been on it. Yet. Um, <laughs> so uh, right. yeah, can't, can't wait to do the next one. And um, thanks again. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this will make some people smile. And uh, if anything, maybe it'll inspire some people to go travel abroad or when or we can man. something that they're passionate about when we can, dude, when we can, I'm going to do a hometown tour. So expect to see me uh, on a stage close to you, close to some of our other friends whenever we can. So thanks James. I really appreciate your insight and it's always great to talk to you. You have to be on again sometime soon and Floridians. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time. Bye.